the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. These would have to be some of the best known words. Uh, of scripture by believers and community people alike in our Kiwi culture. Uh, Psalm 23 is a very much loved hymn and a popular reading for funerals and memorials up and down the nation and in fact in most Western nations I'm sure. Psalm 23 gives comfort to those who are grieving the loss of a loved one. It gives hope for hard times and celebration of life after death for Christians and non-believers alike. But in Psalm 23, just a hope-filled psalm for funerals and a feel-good read for community events. As I've attempted to unpack um, this psalm this week, I've come to appreciate the many layers of truth in this short psalm. And in fact, I believe it is prophetically and strategically placed between Psalm 22 and Psalm 24 for good reason. These three psalms, in fact, uh, are, you know, are, are give us a much wider view of, li- of the life the death and the resurrection of Jesus our Saviour, years ahead of his earthly life here on earth. These triple psalms begin in Psalm 22 verse 1 with the cross and they end with Psalm 24 verse 10 with Jesus crowned as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. So I've called this message the cross, the crook, and the crown, the cross, the crook, and the crown. But hey, before you get a bit offended and think that I'm calling someone a crook, (laughs) uh, I need to explain that a crook is a very important device in a shepherd's toolkit, okay? You need to know that this tool is called a shepherd's crook and that the crown is just not just a Netflix series, (laughs) So, this is a crook. Okay, a shepherd's crook. And the crown isn't just a Netflix series. So to understand the the shepherd heart of God in in Psalm 23, one really needs a revelation of the cross and the eternal hope of the crowning of Jesus. It's sandwiched in there. It begins with salvation and ends with King of glory. Jesus, our Lord and Savior. All praise, honor and glory to him. Amen. So let's turn and and bring those readers up and let's have our three readings. Psalm 22, verse 1 to 5. Teresa. My God, my God, why hast hast thou forsaken me? Why Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring. O my God, I will cry in the daytime, but that but thou hearest not, and in the night season and am not silent. 
but thou art but thou art holy, O thou art that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Verse four. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted and thou didst deliver them. Verse five. They cried unto thee and were delivered, and they trusted in thee and were not confounded. Psalm twenty three. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 24, verses 7 to 10. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. Amen. A bit like David, um, I began my shepherding career as a child. As soon as I could climb rails, I would be helping Dad, you know, draft and, and drench sheep and shed up, another shepherding term, shed up at night. At shearing time, there were no boots available. And besides, boots were only for sissies who couldn't handle a bit of sheep poo between the toes. <laughs> but I loved sheep. I loved sheep. But as soon as I could help, I was I was used as a as a fleeso in the wool shed. And for those who don't know, that's the whisking away the wool between the shearers. Uh, between the times they uh, need to grab another sheep. I found myself doing 10-hour days, day after day, as a teenager. <laughs> the hours would drag on, and I'd watch that clock, and uh, it would just seem to almost stall, you know. And I'd watch for those last few minutes, those wonderful few minutes before smoko, another another shepherding term, uh, when mum would arrive with the most amazing sandwiches and apple shortcake. And I'd love, I'd long for that last pen of stroppy, you know, determined rams. You always left them till the last so that I could get out of that dingy, dingy old wool shed and, and go for a horse ride or perhaps score a tractor job, you know. But anyway, no money changed hands back then. Us kids, we all learnt to work for, for nothing. Be good for nothing. That's what we were. We were good for nothing. <laughs> and uh, we thought nothing of working for, for the cause, you know. And I always wondered, why docking? Hmm, why is docking always in the August school holidays? And why is shearing always in the December school holidays? And it wasn't until I was late, late in my teenage years I, the penny dropped. Dad planned it that way, you know, to get all this free slash slave labour, you know. Anyway, only years later though, once I had a flock of my own, uh, did I appreciate all that free training. For those who are wondering what this crook 
is all about, it's not quite like the one I used to have, a nice modern aluminium one, but anyway, this is a lovely one donated by a friend uh, for today. And it's designed to capture uh, and hold um, the neck of the sheep and or the foot. Mine one had one part for the foot in open spaces and it is the most humane, humane way to, uh, to stop them in their tracks and uh, catch a soon mother-to-be, uh, you, needing lambing assistance or perhaps some other thing. And it's also quite handy for getting hold of stray lambs. I'm not sure if they might escape out of this one, I think, but anyway. Uh, so we could match them up to a, to a, a lambless you. Anyway, gosh, all these uh, shepherding terms, eh? Uh, mothering up, you know. Anyway, our teacher used to get really annoyed with our grammar in our journals because we'd say we went with Dad to look the sheep. And she'd say, it's look at the sheep. No, 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 no. No, we do much more than looking at the sheep. <laughs> looking the sheep involves sometimes running after them, catching them, lambing them, doing whatever. Unblocking, sticking, sticky tails. Anyway, um, <laughs> I used to be, in my 20s, I could outrun a lambing you. I think if I tried it now, I'd need lambing assistance. <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> Anyway, enough of these shepherd stories. What's with all these long shepherding stories? Well, because God wastes nothing. And uh, when, we, when we give him our lives, I believe he wastes nothing. So years on, I am so grateful for all the lessons I learned shepherding. And in terms of pastoral care, see what I did there? Uh, there are many similarities between sheep and people. And uh, so I'll give you, I'll give you just a very, seven very quick little lessons that you can learn from sheep. Get the leaders through and the movers through the gate and the rest will follow. Number two, timing is everything. Learn, uh, leave a newborn lamb for long enough, unattended and you'll lose them forever. Three, learn to discern the seasons and, or you may miss a valuable window weather. Weather window, sorry. Number four, never give up in the second week of September. Summer is coming. Number five, protect the flock and they will protect you or provide for you. Never get rough with the sheep, no matter how frustrating they are. And number seven, sheep tend to follow the shepherd that cares. Wow. So looking at this list, I know I fail on many parts of it as a pastor. But these things remain true nonetheless and are lessons that can be applied to sheep or people. But what I do know is that Jesus is the ultimate shepherd and friend. Amen? Psalm 23 gives us an insight into the parenting heart of God and the intimate friendship of Jesus. Depth and strength underlie the simplicity of this psalm. Its peace is not escape. Its contentment is not complacency. There is readiness to face deep darkness and imminent attack. And the climax reveals a love that strives not to material goals, but to the Lord himself. 
I didn't write that, but I thought it was really powerful. I love that. Peace uh, is not escape. It's contentment is not complacency. So let's just unpack the psalm, the Psalm 23, if you've got your Bibles. And let's look into verse 1. The, uh, the writer dares to link. I'll just read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The, the writer dares to link the words, the Lord is my, with I shall. Everything in this psalm flows from that. Because he is, we can. Because he is, we can. Amen? Instead of terms like king or deliverer in previous psalms, or the impersonal terms like rock and shield, David here calls his Lord his shepherd. From his lifetime knowledge of sheep, David knows he is using an intimate term and that he will never lack a thing. He'll never lack a thing by knowing God like this. We don't miss out knowing God. We will never lack a thing knowing him. Verse 2, let's read it. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. The green pastures and the quiet waters indicate the shepherd is always doing his job. 24-7, no breaks. There's so much security in that, isn't there? Caring for those that you've fathered, either physically or spiritually, is a full-time job. Proverbs 27 verse 8 says, Like a bird that wanders from the nest, so is a man who wanders from his home. When God took on fathering, he took it seriously. He will never do that. He will never leave us. He will never abandon us. Verse 3, he restores our soul. He guides me in the way of righteousness. See, there's an element of correction here. To restore someone or to, you know, um, to guide someone, is, is a, there's an element of correction of discipleship. See, the term, uh, you know, to, to restore is, is also training. And God remains faithful and firm in his task of dis discipling us for our own good as any good father would. Verse 4, let's read it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That even though, in, in the beginning of that verse, even though, suggests that darkness should not be the norm. But it's inevitable at times. Hard times don't last, but hard people do. Tough people do. The term valley of the shadow of death is actually, in the, in the Hebrew, it's salmawet which occurs nearly 20 times in the Old Testament. 
And it usually means darkness or a dark place. But here the word death is added. What the writer is really saying is that the dark roads, even with the possibility of death, these were dodgy trails through the ravines. Even with the possibility of death, we should fear no evil. There's no fear. There's no fear when God is with us. These places are the normal, and as these places are as normal and as valuable, sorry, for the follower of Jesus to be in as green pastures. So we're not to see them as evil and the green pastures is good. Both are good for us. Dark paths are still paths of righteousness for the believer, providing evidence uh, that our shepherd's protection is still with us in such times. How about you? Have you had times of late where you've needed the shepherd to be with you? Praise God, he has taken the sting out of the valleys, the dark valleys and the ravines. Many years ago, Jenny and I were in Florence in Italy and uh, we shopped separately for a while and I thought I was taking a shortcut to get to a particular shop I'd seen and I shot down this alley. Bit of a bad, scary move in a way. Didn't really think too much about it. I honestly felt the spirit of fear creeping up on me. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up. I did not look round. I just prayed and prayed. I prayed in tongues. I prayed off the spirit of fear. And by the time I got to that alleyway, I turned and felt the presence of God. But I must say, I do know that fear is a spirit and it can creep up on you. But you can tell it to leave. Fear and doubt are twin spirits. They can be prayed off your life today. Verse 5. Finally, there's the meal. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Finally, there's this, this food, and it's abundant. But more importantly, eating together was an amazing step of intimacy in Jewish culture. Eating together. Forming bonds of loyalty uh, with others and perhaps even the culminating token of a covenant. Very rarely, however, eating in the presence of an enemy was done after celebrating a victory while the enemy was present yet constrained. And we would, we would now say, hey, it's sort of a, it's like rubbing their nose in it. We won. <laughs> in today's culture, that's not so cool. Most people don't like um, sarcastic winners. They like humble winners. And so does God. Jesus rebuked his disciples for wanting to call down fire on those who rejected him in Luke 9.54. See, they had the wrong attitude. In verse 55, he says, You do not know what kind of spirit you are of. I love that. You do not know what kind of spirit you are of. Wrong spirit. The shepherd imagery here in verse 5 gives way to one of intimate friend. See, once 
we experience the Holy Spirit's friendship and counsel. We are of a different spirit. I believe David caught a new imagery, a new image of eating with his enemies because he was a man ahead of his time. And because he realized someone far greater was also present. And despite being a man of, of bloodshed and righteous battles, he recognized that it took a greater strength to forgive enemies. And according to Jesus, even to love them. In this verse, David is prophetically bringing the new covenant enemy thinking into, into his generation. It was countercultural. What about us? Are we able to count, be countercultural and be the one to bring healing, truth? and forgiveness into our situation and even to our enemies. We should go first in uniting our family and into making our workplace workable until we get a revelation of the cross where Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And salvation as a free gift. Until we know those two things, we are not of his spirit. We need to know that Jesus brought a new spirit. Jesus said, on the way to court, agree with your enemy. Otherwise, you'll be thrown into prison until you pay the last cent. What the heck does this mean? I believe he's saying here, agree with the accuser of the brethren. Tell the devil, yes, I know I'm a sinner. I agree with you. I am wretched. We confess those wrongs aloud for all the spirit world to hear. Because there's one far greater who will pay the court bill for us and on our behalf and instead of us. And only then we can move on in victory. Until we are prepared to repent, even the cross, the crook, and the crown can't save us. Unless we enter in through the blood of Jesus, we can't claim to know him as saviour, shepherd king, and most intimate friend. Without the cross and the crown, despite his shepherding heart, we could not dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This wonderful psalm does bring some amazing hope for those prepared to be one of his sheep. But are we prepared to bow the knee in repentance first and become an intimate friend of God and an agent of peace and restoration among enemies? So let's read the last verse. So surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. That is the reward of a repentant spirit. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's allow the spirit of this psalm to resonate with our spirit and be transformed by his resurrection power. Rather than a feel-good, standalone, warm, fuzzy read, 
Psalm 23 is the challenging meat of faith outworking in a spiritual sandwich between the cross and the crown of Jesus. Amen. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for that willingness to go to the cross for and as me. Lord, I confess I am wretched, but I am now restored in faith through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I just pray over this gathering today that we each would know that same gift is available, that same gift of life, life unlimited, life eternal, dining, eating, hanging out, having fun, fellowshipping with you forever, just doing life with Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that maybe we, we are in the valley right now, but that you're taking that sting of fear away. You're protecting us. Your arms, your cloak of protection is over us. We thank you. I guess it's hard, but we thank you for the, for the dark times. We just ask that you bring us through. Bring us out into the light, into green pastures. I just pray that over anyone today in a dark place. We ask all these things, Lord. Salvation, hope, protection, lack of fear and death over every... Uh, we pray resurrection life into this place and over everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us.